0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Before we do get started, I do want to encourage you as you're making your travel plans, to remember uh, JohnnyDollarAir.com. JohnnyDollarAir.com is a Priceline uh, affiliate, so you're able to have the option of either choosing from great published fares or naming your own price, but uh, at no additional cost to you, uh, a portion of your purchase goes to support the great detectives of old-time radio. So remember uh, JohnnyDollarAir.com, though today we won't be br- bringing you Johnny Dollar, we'll be bringing you Johnny Fletcher. Uh, Johnny Fletcher was created by uh, Frank Gruber, a very prolific uh, mystery writer uh, who over the course of his career wrote hundreds of uh, short stories and uh, novels uh, and uh, over 200 TV and film scripts. Uh, this man very prolific, and these were perhaps his most famous, uh, creations. Uh, the duo that we have uh, appearing in, uh, today's episode, uh, were actually the stars of The French Key. Uh, The French Key was the first Johnny Fletcher mystery and was adapted, uh, in 1946, uh, for Republic, uh, Pictures. And what NBC, uh, looks like they were trying to do here was to do an audition and see if, uh, this film duo could work over the radio. So, uh, let's, and this, by the way, was made for, uh, sponsors, uh, potential sponsors of the program. So this was intended to be one of those NBC syndicated shows if they got enough interest. Uh, And the title of today's episode is also taken from a uh, Johnny uh, Fletcher book. The title is The Navy Colt, which was actually the fourth book in the series. So here now is The Navy Colt.
2: Johnny, I don't like this. Something tells me we should have automated our own business. Look, Sam, helping a damsel in distress is
3: your business, my business, everybody's business.
2: Oh, what's a damsel? It's, uh, well, a dame. Okay, then it's your business. I want no part of it.
4: Yes, it's time for another... Johnny Fletcher Mystery. Brought to you by the National Broadcasting Company... starring Albert Decker as Johnny Fletcher and Mike Mazurki as Sam Craig in Frank Gruber's best-selling murder mystery, The Navy Colt. It is mid-afternoon and we find Johnny and Sam on a busy street in New York making a fast pitch. Their customary method of earning an honest dollar whenever they're broke, which they usually are.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. You see here the strongest man in the world, my pal and partner, Sam Cragg. A short time ago, Sam was a puny weakling who weighed only ninety-eight pounds. Now look at him—a magnificent specimen of manhood, six feet five, two hundred and fifty pounds of brawn and brawn. As evidence of his enormous strength, Sam is going to fill his mighty lungs with air and snap that two-inch log chain wrapped about his chest. Are you ready, Sam? Yeah. Then go on and break it, my boy, and let the links fall where they may. Observe. Observe, ladies and gentlemen, the ease with which he pulls apart that symbol of slavery. For the love of Pete busted. I'm trying to, Johnny. You must have made that link
2: too strong. But...
3: There you are, my friends, there you are. A miracle of strength has been performed before your very eyes. A broken chain lies at my feet. A man, a real man, has released himself from the fetters of masculine weakness. Ladies and gentlemen, you too can be marvels of strength like Sam Craig. This book of mine, every man... Ixnay, Ixnay,
2: here comes that cop again. Where? On the side of the street.
3: Oh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get out of here, Sam. What a life. A man can't try to make an honest living anymore, but what some flatfoot crabs the eye.
0: You
2: know something, Johnny? No, what? We wouldn't be broke all the time if you was to stick to one thing or another. Why, you got brains. You got the gift of gab. And you got me.
3: A three-way handicap, if I ever heard one.
2: No fooling, Johnny. You got all the makings of a big business typhoon. Why, why don't we decide either to be a businessman or an amateur detective? <laughs> One or the other, but not both.
3: Go on, Sam. You interest me strangely.
2: Oh, nuts. You know what I mean, Johnny. <laughs> but it happens continuous all the time. We get a good start selling books or some kind of business that looks easy. And what pursues? Somebody gets their throat cut or found in a trunk or something. And you horn your way into the act. That's my way of having fun. I know, Johnny, but a guy can't have much fun in an empty stomach. That's what usually happens. We got nothing else but... Johnny, something tells me we're being followed.
5: Mister. Oh, mister.
0: Oh, hello, miss. May
5: I speak to you a moment, sir? Why not? I saw you gentlemen break that chain back there, so you must be awfully strong.
3: Oh, you want to buy a book, huh? Get one out, Sam. Oh,
5: no. No, not a book. Do you gentlemen want to earn $10?
3: Lady, right now for 10 bucks, I go over Niagara Falls in a mustache cup. How do we earn the soul book?
2: No, Johnny, no. This is like the way it always starts.
3: You're right, Sam. Sorry, sister. Some other time, maybe. Oh,
5: please. You gentlemen must help me.
3: Look, sister, let's get this straight. We're not gentlemen. I'm just a guy named Johnny Fletcher, and this rugged character is Sam Craig, my pal.
5: I'm happy to know you, Mr. Fletcher and Mr. Craig. My name is Hilda Nelson.
3: Oh, yeah? Where do you live?
5: Park Avenue.
3: Park Avenue? Well, is that anything to feel bad about? But Park Avenue is just another word for millionaire. Oh,
5: I know what you mean, but honestly, $10 is all I can give you.
3: Say, how did you get those nasty-looking bruises?
5: Well, I, I'd rather not say.
3: You mean somebody did that?
5: Yes. That's why I asked if you wanted to earn $10.
3: Why didn't you say so in the first place? Now, what is it you want us to do? Uh-oh, here we go again.
5: You mean you'll do it?
3: Yep, you've talked us into it.
5: Oh, thank you. Well, here's the dollar down. Oh,
3: thank you. And what are we supposed to do in return for this shower of wealth?
5: I want you to go to 205 East 63rd Street, Mr. Maxwell's apartment. It's on the 12th floor. You just ring the doorbell.
3: Oh, sure. I'm quite a hand with doorbells. Is that all?
5: No. When Mr. Maxwell opens the door, I want you to hit him just as hard as you can, right on the nose.
3: Oh, that sounds like fun, doesn't it, Sam? Anything else?
5: Yes. As you hit him, I want you to say, Hilda sends this with her compliments.
3: Better and better. But I'll let Sam hit him. He hits harder than I do, don't you, Sam? Oh, now, listen, Johnny, I... Never mind. A man that'll abuse a girl ought to get the stuffings knocked out of him.
5: Just on the nose will be enough. Oh, uh, but I want proof that you did it.
3: Sure. I'll bring you Sam's bruised knuckle. That do?
5: No, that won't be quite enough.
3: Any suggestions?
5: Well, let me see. Mr. Maxwell always wears red neckties. Ugly red ones. That's it. Bring me one of his red neckties. Then I'll give you the other nine dollars.
3: A bust in the nose, a red necktie. Then where do we meet you to get the other nine bucks?
5: How soon can you finish the the assignment?
3: Oh, Sam and I haven't any really pressing engagements at the moment.
5: Very well. I'll meet you at the Grand Central Station in an hour.
3: Here it is. James Maxwell. Uh, Ring the bell, Sam. Now, remember... Remember, when he sticks his puss out, let him have it.
2: Man, well, what do you guys want? Now, Sam, now. You heard that, Johnny? Oh, nothing a to... couple of hospitals and a bunch of doctors can't fix. Help me up, Sam. What, uh, <sighs> right I rat in cheap clothing. Hitting a guy when he ain't looking. I'll fix him.
3: Oh, you had your chance, Sam. He won't come out again. Okay, yeah, I'll dust that door down. So you two jerks want more of the same, huh? Look out, Sam. He's got a gun. There you go.
2: Grab the gun when I hold him. Okay. There you go. i tell I got it. Now I'll suck it. Where you are, fella. Hilda sends this with a compliments. Now get in there. That was a narrow squeak. I guess he didn't shoot you. I don't see no blood. Of
3: course he shot me, you lunk. Right through the coat sleeve.
2: Look at that hole. Gee. Oh, well, maybe you can get it rewove. Remember that sport coat that I had? Why? Who shut the door down the hall? I don't know. Somebody's been getting an eyeful. tell no telling who saw us. we got to get out of here. Let's don't keep Hilda waiting.
4: This is John Storm. You're listening to The Navy Colt, a Johnny Fletcher mystery. But before we rejoin Johnny and Sam, you would place your first sales message here. What? You have presented the first of your sales messages, so we return to our own job of selling you the Johnny Fletcher Mystery Series. We catch up with Johnny Fletcher and his pal Sam Cragg at the Grand Central Station where they were to meet Hilda Nelson and collect an additional nine dollars for hitting, as Miss Nelson so naively put it, a certain Mr. James Maxwell on the nose.
0: That's
4: grand,
2: Johnny. The kid ain't gonna show up. I'm tired sitting here. Besides, I'm hungry. So am I. We got enough to eat on? Well, not great big baskets, Paul. Hey, maybe we can hunt that gun you took off Maxwell. And he had that a couple of times. <laughs>
3: Could be. It's big enough. Yeah, what a rod.
2: Must be two feet long. i never seen one that big before.
3: Neither did I, except in a museum. It's what they call a navy colt. Colt? It looked growed up to me. Sam, a colt is a revolver. You know, what's got me puzzled is this microfilm I found in one of the chambers of the gun.
2: What is that stuff?
3: Well, it looks like a photostatic copy of some legal documents.
2: You took the words right out of me mouth.
3: <laughs> they must be important. After we collect our nine bucks from Hilda, we'll take them to a photographer and... Have not blow them up big enough to read. Uh-oh. Look who's here.
5: Oh, I'm so sorry, Adelaide. I was afraid you'd leave.
3: <laughs> no, we like it here. Well,
2: did you, uh, sock him?
3: Sister, how can you ask? Look at this thing I used to call a jaw.
2: Oh, dear. Hey, what about our nine bucks? Well,
5: did you get the red necktie?
3: Red necktie? Red necktie? Sam, did we get his red necktie? Nah, he wasn't wearing no necktie. That's right, lady. <laughs> Please, the nine bucks.
5: but well, that's what I came to tell you. i I couldn't get the rest of the money. Uh-oh. I'm sorry, really, I am.
3: Here, I'll write a check. Oh, not for me, sister. Why not? A check means getting identified. And getting identified means... Did you get it? Yeah. Well, come on, Sam, let's eat. Goodbye, Hilda, dear. Nice to have had the pleasure of your...
2: Gee, with that big bundle of chow and me, I'm a new man. Don't
3: tell me you're not going to have another piece of pie.
2: No... I'll fill up clear up to
3: here. Cigarette? Thanks. Hold the light.
2: Sure. Here you are. You know, Johnny, you did all right hocking that old gun for four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Funny speed it gives that old guy about it belongs to your grandfather. <laughs> Present <laughs> from <laughs> Jesse James. <laughs> you really think paper, him up. Paper,
0: latest edition.
6: Paper, mister. Read all about the East Side killing. Yeah, yes, son. Thanks, mister. Read all about the big murder. Read all about it. Paper here. It's the late Paper.
3: Uh Uh-oh. Hold on to your chair, Sam. What goes? Get a load of this. James Maxwell, 205 East 63rd Street, was found dead in his apartment late today. According to the police, his death resulted from a gunshot. Hey, that's the guy we popped. And listen to this. Miss Cornelia Spatz, living in an adjoining apartment, told the officers she was an eyewitness to the killing.
2: Say, that's who slammed the door right down the hall. Hey, how do you like this?
3: Miss Fats testified that one of the men was tall and slender with dark hair. Tall and slender with dark hair. The other was a huge hook of a man, about six feet four inches, weighing about 250.
2: The nerve of that dame, saying I'm six feet four, I'm six five. Let's see what else they
3: know. The police say, continued on page four... Here it is. An old-time Navy Colt revolver is missing from a gun rack on the wall and may have been the murder weapon. They are scouring the city for such a gun, which may provide a clue to the killers. Come on, we got to move fast. Where are we going? Get the gun out of hot hock before the cops beat us to it. It's got our fingerprints all
0: over...
2: What an alley. Black as your hat.
3: Yeah. Come on, open up!
2: Maybe the old guy don't live in the back.
3: Yes, he does. There goes a the light. Here he comes. Who is it? The Navy Colt Man. Don't
0: you this time
3: of I want to get the gun out of heart.: okay,
0: you
3: No. I keep dreaming about Indians. And I got to go back and shoot them. Come in. Let's make this fast, will you, Pop? Here's your four bucks. Getting me up of such a nice sound sleep. Yes, four dollars it comes to all right, here's your four, and, and here's your ticket. I'm glad to get rid of this thing. It scares me to look at it. <laughs> See you later, Pop. I hope not.
2: Gee, I never seen an alley so black. Yeah. Pretty dark. Hey, Johnny, I forgot our newspaper. I left it laying there on the counter in a hot shop. Oh, let it go. Oh, no. I got to go back and get it. What for? I ain't read the funnies. Oh, for the love of
3: Pete. All right. I'll wait here for you.
2: Hey, Pop, don't lock up yet. I forgot the funny.
3: What a character. At a time like this, he forgets the funny. Hey, Bert, get a match? Yeah. Just so. Where'd you come from so quick? Never mind that. See what this is, fella? Yeah. Yeah, the gun. Anybody could tell that. Stick up, huh? That's right. Well, if it's dough you after, chum, I'm broke. Take it easy. All I want's that Navy coat. Sure. Help yourself. Okay, bud. Here's your payment.
2: <laughs> hey, Johnny. Where are you? Over here. A guy stuck me up. Which way did he go? I'll go get him. No, don't go after him. All he got was that gun. What's any guy want with that old broken-down horse pistol? Sam, do you believe in ghosts? Huh? Ghosts? Well, uh, kind of. I'm human, I, I guess. Why? The guy that held me up was James Maxwell. The man we're supposed to have murdered. Holy cow!
0: Ah,
2: uh, 2 8
3: 4 2 2
2: How do you know that Hilda's number?
3: Gotta be. The only Nelson in the phone book on Park Avenue.
2: Kind of tough waking the kid up this time of the night.
3: <laughs> wake her up. She better wake up. I'll drag her up with her hair, the head, a little double-crossing.
0: Hello?
3: This is Johnny Fletcher. I want to see you right away to have a talk.
6: Uh, That's absurd, Mr. Fletcher. I ought to
5: hang up.
3: Smile when you say hang, sister. You got us in plenty of trouble.
5: Well, I didn't
6: tell you to kill Mr. Maxwell.
3: Kill Mr. Maxwell? Are you screwy? Now, look. You meet us in the waiting room of the Grand Central Station in one hour.
6: But, Mr. Fletcher, it's so late.
3: The Grand Central in one hour. And you better be there or else. Sit down, Miss Nelson. Sam, keep an eye out for anything that looks like a cop. Okay. Now, young lady, what was the idea of trying to frame me and Sam for the murder of this Maxwell guy?
5: Frame you? I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yes, you
3: do. You fixed it all up with a spat name to poke a schnozzle out of a door in time to catch Sam and me doing your rough stuff.
5: Yes, I don't even know her.
3: Don't give me that. Sister, I want to run on the line. Who is this Maxwell and why did you want him socked?
5: Mr. Fletcher, I don't think Look, I... Look,
3: babe, this is no time to kid around. Any minute now, the cops are liable to move in on us. So spill it all. All of it. What about this Maxwell guy?
5: Mr. Fletcher, I've kept it all back for such a long time. It's going to be a relief to tell someone like you.
3: I I know I shouldn't. Who was Maxwell?
5: Well, he was the son of a man who was once my father's business partner.
3: Why did you want Maxwell's sock?
5: He kept forcing me to give him money. Lots of money.
3: Rockmail, huh? Yes. Well, why did he hit you and put those bruises on you?
5: Because I couldn't get any more money for him. He was furious, so he began to beat me. I managed to get away. It was right after that I saw you and Mr. Craig.
3: You weren't ever in love with this fair boon by any chance, were you?
5: In love with him? I despised him. I loathed him. I always have.
3: How did he force you to give him the dough?
5: Well, he showed me a letter his father wrote when he was dying. It accused my father of killing his father.
3: Why was your father supposed to have killed him?
5: So my father could take over the business they started.
3: Well, who is your father, and what business is he in?
5: He's Helmer Nelson, one of the biggest manufacturers of railroad ties in the country.
3: Oh, I see. Uh Well, why didn't you tell your father?
5: Oh, no, I couldn't do that. Mr. Maxwell said he'd kill Dad, and me too, if I ever did.
3: Hilda, there's something maybe you can explain. The man Sam and I socked was not the man who was killed. What? The man we thought was Maxwell, the guy we hit. Held me up last night and took a Navy cold revolver away from me. The one I took from the guy I thought was Maxwell.
5: Honestly, Mr. Fletcher, I can't explain that. What kind of looking man was he? A
3: oh, big gorilla about the size of Sam there. Yeah? Had a red mustache and a scar across his forehead.
5: Well, by that, Carl Streeter. He and Mr. Maxwell hated each other.
3: You're sure your old man didn't suddenly get wise to what was going on?
5: I don't really know.
3: Who do you think killed Maxwell? Carl
5: Streeter.
3: You know where I can find him?
5: Yes. He lives at 804 West 14th Street.
3: Why? I'd better have a little talk with him. Come on, Sam. Let's go.
2: Looks like Mr. Streeter ain't home. we better try again some other time. Let me have that skeleton key. Now, look, Johnny. That ain't honest. Here. The inside of a hothouse. Shut that door, Sam. Hey, that looks like our gun on that table. Yeah. We'll take it along so he can't shoot us with it, like he did Maxwell. Gee, Johnny, what if he used to barge in right now? Shh. You think of the most unpleasant thing. Look, that door's shut. Maybe he's in there. Let's find out. Uh, you think we'd better? This is housebreaking or something? Open the door and quit pretending you're scared. Who's pretending? Who's pretending?
0: Hey, that's him out of bed. Looks like he's taking a nap.
2: Yeah, a good long one. The guy's dead. Look, he's been shot.
4: You are listening to the Navy Colt. A Johnny Fletcher mystery. Here is the place for your second sales message. You have completed your second sales message. Catching up with Johnny Fletcher and Sam Cragg next morning, we find them outside the apartment door of Cornelia Spat, the woman who described them to the police as the killers of James Maxwell.: Johnny, I think you're nuts. Picking your neck out like this.
3: Maybe so, but if this dame can really put the finger on us, it, it's going to be a tough winter. we got to find out.
2: But I'm worried. It's so all
3: mine. Here's the apartment. Miss Cornelia Spatz. Get out of sight.
2: Okay, but be careful.
3: How do you do, Miss Spatz? Yes? Yeah. Miss Mallory down on the tenth floor asked me to be sure and see you. I'm selling nylons.
6: Nylons? Oh, my goodness, won't you come in, please?
3: Thank you. You were certainly busy with that typewriter, Miss Pat.
6: <laughs> yes. I'm just finishing up a story. Oh, a
3: real author. What kind of stories do you write?
6: <laughs> you would never, never believe it of me, but huh. they're about crime. Murders, mostly. A charming young woman like you?
3: Well, somehow you're just not the type.
6: <laughs> well, they're not exactly fiction stories. They're... You see, I'm the New York correspondent for a Chicago magazine called Cunning Crimes. (laughs) They use short articles each month about actual crimes.
3: Uh, What crime are you writing about now?
6: Oh, I had such a wonderful experience. I witnessed a murder. Right out in the hall.
3: You actually saw the murderers?
6: Yes, indeedy. And I gave the police a perfect description of them. You know, (laughs) one of them looked a teensy bit like you. (laughs) Like me? (laughs) Yes. But, uh, he wasn't nearly so good-looking.
3: Oh, Miss Pat. I can hardly wait to read your story when it comes out. Now, uh, how about the nylon? Shall I write up your order for, say, six pairs?
6: Oh, no, I'll take a dozen. And I'm sure I can get a lot more orders for you from the girls. You see, I'm president of the Pen and Eraser Club. We're all writers, you know. And they'll be simply thrilled to death when I tell them about you. I, I mean, selling nylon. Oh, that's wonderful of you, Miss Spatz. How can I get in touch with you when I've seen the girls? Oh,
3: here, I'll write it down for you. Johnny Fletcher, Eagle Hotel. Oh,
6: thank you, Mr. Fletcher. And I'm awfully glad you stopped in. <laughs> goodbye. Oh,
3: goodbye, Miss Spat.
6: And uh, you stop in again. <laughs> Anytime. Thank
2: you. Oh, phew. Well, that's a load off my mind. Didn't recognize you, huh?
3: With those thick cheetahs over her eyes, that crackpot wouldn't recognize her own self in the mirror. Mr. Nelson, I'll get right to the point. You've been paying a lot of dough to a guy named Maxwell, the guy that got bumped off the other night. There's only one answer to a stupid remark like that, Fletcher get out of my office or I'll have you thrown out. Take it easy, Nelson. Whether you know it or not, your daughter got herself into one billy of a mess, and what's more, she got me into it, too. Just who are you, and what do you want? I told you, I'm the guy that got into a jam trying to help your daughter. Ridiculous. I am perfectly capable of giving my daughter any help she needs. That's a laugh. Did you know that for years, Hilda has been blackmailed by Maxwell? Hilda, too? Why, that... Now, 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 Mr. Nelson, don't speak ill of the dead. Especially when you may have had a hand, shall we say, in hastening his death. Are you accusing me of Maxwell's murder? Could be. Well, you're wrong. That's what they all say. But What do you want? Your side of the story, Mr. Nelson. Did you ever see the letter Archer Maxwell wrote accusing you of his death? Yes. James Maxwell has held it over my head for years. But I didn't kill his father. It was an accident. Archer must have been out of his head when he wrote that note. Just what was in the letter? Oh, I don't remember the exact wording, but it accused me all right. Strange part about it, a piece of the letter was missing. Torn off. Did you see the torn piece? No, but Maxwell had me. He could smash my business and send me to the chair on the strength of that letter. So I kept dishing the money out to him. How does Carl Streeter tie into the setup? He and James Maxwell were two of a kind. I don't know what Streeter had on Maxwell, but he got a cut in the money. Fact is, once in a while, Streeter came up here to collect. Well, thanks, Nelson. That's about all.
2: Ain't it funny, Johnny? Even an old hotel room like this seems good to get back to if you get tired enough.
3: Yeah, just like home if you're up with your rent... Johnny Fletcher speaking. Oh,
6: hello, Mr. Fletcher. This is Cornelia Spatt. I have some good news. I saw some of the girls, and I have quite a few nylon orders for you. Could you come over right away?
3: Thank you very much, Miss Spatt.
6: I'll be looking for you. (laughs) Come as soon as you can. Goodbye.
2: Bye. That Spat's character wants to see me right away. I knew what the dames felt for you, like they all do. You ain't going, are you? Not a chance. Hey, how's about me going to get them orders? Is she a good looker? Say, now you got something, Sam.
3: We'll both go in, and if she doesn't recognize you either, we got nothing more to worry about.
2: Now, please, Johnny. I was only kidding.
3: I don't want to see her. On the way, we'll pick up the enlargements of those microfilms.
2: Come on, you fix. Sam, you're about to lose those pictures. Shove them down further in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, I'll watch them. Johnny, I'm worried by yourself, this Spatz damn didn't recognize you. But the both of us together like this, forget it. Let me do the talking. Don't I always?
6: Oh, do come in. I've been waiting for you.
3: Uh-huh. Miss Spatz, may I present my friend, Sam Craig?
6: How do you do, Mr. Craig? It's indeed a pleasure. It
3: sure is. Give those hands up, both of you. Hey, what is this? It's the law bud. Riley. I'll keep him covered are uh, the cleaner. Hey, what is all this about? We're arresting you two for the murder of James Maxwell and Carl Streeter. Who oh, says?
6: I do. I definitely saw you do it. <laughs> you thought I didn't recognize you when you came snooping around the other day, pretending to sell nylons. I'm not that stupid.
3: And I thought you liked me, Miss Spatz.
6: Don't be absurd.
3: And I'm afraid all those crime stories you write have gone to your head.
6: Please get these men out of here, officers. I have work to do.
3: Sure, lady. Put the cuffs on them, Riley. Let's get moving. Now, just a moment, officers. Miss Spatz? You know we didn't kill Maxwell and Carl Streeter. Tell it to the judge. And don't forget, fella. Anything you say now will be used against you. Ah, the trouble is, you have too much imagination, Miss Spatz. Or may I call you Mrs. Maxwell?
6: How dare you say such a thing?
3: Oh, I'm impulsive that way. Officers, I'll leave it to you. Sam, give me those photographs. Here. Take a slant at this. It's a photograph of the marriage license of Cornelia Spatz and James Maxwell. Yeah,
2: that's right.
6: Well, suppose Mr. Maxwell and I were married...
3: What of it? Nothing, except that you would have cause to become very jealous when you imagined your husband was falling for Hilda Nelson.
6: Well, he was falling. Maybe
3: so, but Hilda Nelson's a swell kid. Your husband get, couldn't get the first face with her.
6: It's <laughs> beginning to look as if you're the one who has too much imagination, Mr. Fletcher. Oh,
3: no. The fact is, you've been masterminding the blackmail deal against Hilda and her father for years, and you were getting fed up with having to split the dough three ways.
6: Everything you say is absolutely absurd, Mr. Fletcher.
3: Oh, no. You really worked it out slick, Cornelia. You took the apartment next to your husband so you could keep everything under control and still not be suspected of anything. Then... Officers, will you please take these men away? Lady looks like that guy's got something. Go on, bud. Well, Cornelia, you were scared of being tied into the deal if anything ever went wrong, so you had a copy of your marriage license made on microfilm and did it in the chamber of the gun. Then you destroyed the license. Look at this other film, officer.
0: What's it all about?
3: It's the photograph of the original letter that Cornelia and her playmate blackmailed Hilda Nelson and her father with. It was made before the corner was torn off. You see? The letter actually clears Nelson of any suspicion of killing Archer Maxwell. That's why Archer wrote it. But the way it's worded with the corner missing, it becomes a perfect accusation.
2: Gee, Johnny, you never cracked to me you had this all figured out.
3: I didn't. So we picked up those film enlargements on the way here. What's all this leading up to, Fletcher?
6: To
2: the
3: fact that Sam and I didn't kill James Maxwell and Carl Streeter. It was Cornelia Spatz. I did not. You can't prove that I did. How do you think she killed him, bud? Oh, that little fracas Sam and I had with Streeter thinking he was Maxwell, was just what the doctor ordered for her. She waited till Carl Streeter had gone, then she stepped across the fire escape to her husband's apartment and shot him. But what about Streeter? Oh, no, she got afraid of what Streeter might say if the cops picked him up. So she went to his apartment and killed him. That's right, isn't it, Cornelia?
6: Here's my answer to that. Get her gun, Sam. Oh, I caught me. I killed my arm. Oh.
3: Well, sister, that settles it. Same as a written confession. Put the bracelets on her, Riley. Oh, yes. Nice going, fella. You done some nice figuring on this one. Thanks. I'm sorry it had to be a dame.
4: Before we return to Johnny Fletcher and Sam Cragg, we pause again to mention that this is the spot where you present a final brief sales message. Now, back to Johnny Fletcher and Sam Cragg. They have just entered their hotel room. Sam Craig speaking.
5: Oh, Sam, this is Hilda. Dad and I just heard the wonderful news about what you did. We're so happy. Oh,
2: it was nothing.
5: Sam, Dad and I were just wondering if... Sam.
2: Hold the phone, Hilda. Go away, Johnny. You bother me. Yes, Hilda, go on.
5: Well, Father and I want you and Johnny to come over and have dinner with
2: us. Why, sure. Love to, honey. Sam, no. Just a moment, Hilda. Listen, you dope. We're invited to the Nelson's for dinner. Eat. E-T-E-E, remember? We can't go. What's the matter with you, Johnny? Why can't we? Because there's a dead guy in our closet. Uh Uh-oh, here we go again.
4: Be sure to be with us next week when we bring you another best-selling Johnny Fletcher mystery by Frank Gruber entitled The Mighty Blockhead. And starring Albert Decker and Mike Mazurki. Tonight's story was The Navy Colt. This program was produced in Hollywood's Radio City. This is NBC,
1: the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome back. Well, with that sort of con man angle, um it's uh almost feels like a uh uh, like a predecessor to the Rockford files, though not uh, obviously not quite the same quality, now the big reason I chose this actually is uh because of uh Mike uh, Mazurki, um who uh of course played the role of Sam and he's probably best known to classic mystery fans uh for taking on the role of Moose Malloy. In um, Murder, My Sweet. And I loved him in that role because he projected such toughness, such uh, bigger than lifeness. Uh, particularly for that era, I think people have gotten bigger both in terms of height and girth. But they really made him a giant in, this one, in that one. And it comes to in the voice. According to the information I read, this was not, even though this particular uh, Johnny Fletcher series was not picked up, uh, ABC ran its own, uh, Johnny Fletcher series, uh, starting in 1948. And uh, ended up running for 26 episodes. And the star was Bill Goodwin. Uh, playing the role of Johnny Fletcher. And I could so see Bill Goodwin in that role. Uh, you've, you, you've heard him, uh, if you listen to classic radio, you've heard him as an announcer on Bob Hope and Burns and Allen. Uh, that becomes m- one of my new favorite shows I would like to have an episode emerge of. But this one was interesting as well. And I've not read any of the books, but I think I, uh, I definitely, uh, could. All right, well, uh, some listener comments and feedback. R.W. Said, on Podcast Alley says, This show obviously does the background research for each show they play, and I find the commentary interesting and informative. Through this show, I've been introduced to detective shows I didn't exist in, and I love listening to them and discovering new characters I like. Well, I hope you discovered uh, a couple this week. And then uh, we have this comment from uh, Diane on my iPad, I use the app called OTR Streamer. It has lots of different genres. Uh, there's no dialogue as you do with each show, but there's a good selection of OTR shows. Uh, thanks, Adam, for all the work you do with on your shows. Love listening to your uh, great detective shows. One thing we need to remember is that we can't look at these through 2013 uh, eyes. The world was different in the 1940s and 50s. Well, thanks so much. Uh, First of all, regarding OTR Streamer, uh, that is actually a pretty good app just for uh, convenience. Um, I don't know if they always have the highest quality um, uh, available, but for variety, it can't be beat. And I've got it on my iPod as well. And sometimes if I'm going out somewhere and I don't feel like looking on the computer or something like that, I'll just uh, download the uh, episode off OTR streamer and uh, it works fine. Uh, a decent selection, you know, just for something that you have there on your iPhone. So I think that's a good one. Um, I think there, there are two, um, sides to it. I, I don't think we cannot look at it through, uh, 2013 eyes, but I think we also have to, you know, cause we see them through the eyes we do, but I think we have to, we have to have some respect for this was another time. And in some ways, when we sit down and we listen to these, uh, programs, um, we really are, we're guests in, uh, another time, another place. And you have to, uh, be able to, uh, Relax a bit and uh, accept that. Because, yeah, I've known folks who, you know, could never really enjoy any Golden Age material um, because they were holding everybody constantly to um, modern standards and uh, uh, so busy being constantly uh, offended that you just can't get into it. All right, well, that will do it for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Nick Carter. Uh, next week, we'll be back to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, on Wednesday for a couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, send your comments to Box 13 at Net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and to become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, and all.